Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Welcome. You found us. Hello. Welcome to the RGM Experience Podcast. Um, this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, is all about uh, delving into this music industry that surrounds us, finding stories within it, and sharing them with you in your ears. Uh, everybody's got a story to tell, everybody's got a different path to follow. Uh, there's loads of you know amazing things that happens in this industry. There's loads of shit things at all. And we're here to tell the truth. No holes barred. And just have a good chat about what it's like in the real world, eh? So welcome to the show. Glad you found us. Nice one. Uh, look, I've had a massive uplift on listeners yesterday, just because of last week's show as well. Uh, loads of people are finding us from uh, Joe Cornell's show uh, last week. Do delve into the archives as well. Today's guest says, uh, you know, it is quite, it's quite linked in many ways, today's guest and Joe's last week. Uh, and also, we've had a massive uh, load of new listeners listening to the Chaz Yankel episode as well, which uh, which is lovely. So if you're a fan of Chaz, for me enjoying the Blockheads, and you enjoyed the story about Ian and back in the day, delve into the archives, that show's there too. And if, you, if you're from the archives and you found that show and you're listening to new ones, hey up. It's always nice. Uh, yeah, today, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Rob Nicholson. Rob Nicholson, I knew from school, Myrtle Springs in Gleagler, Sheffield. Uh, used to have a drink with him in the local pub, New Inn, down bottom of, uh, but down bottom at Common. Uh, and we've known each other for years. Uh, just being in bands and that around Sheffield. Uh, he tells a story about his brother was the original bassist in Arctic Monkeys. There's loads of behind-the-scenes stuff coming your way too, ladies and gentlemen. But Rob now is one of the leading uh, photographers in Sheffield. Uh, an amazing photographer, um, photographing for it's called Pedalo Photography. Check it out on the website. There is a, a link in the description of the podcast, obviously. But Rob's been in bands for many years. Uh, he's, he's within the community in Sheffield, where, um, where it, you know, it's not been a smooth path for everybody. And Rob's really honest about his journey in music and finding his place within the creative. Uh, side of things as well which can take its time for people um, I know I've you know meandered in you know w- peaks and troughs and trying to find where I fit in with all this stuff um, and I, I, and he's really blossoming at the minute and he's found his way and he's he's doing some really nice stuff and I've known this guy for a while really interesting and I just wanted to share his story with you today ladies and gentlemen um, I've got one of those cold things. My head is all over the place. I'm having a difficult time with the website as well with RGM at the minute. I'm transferring to a new host, which is always a ball ache. So if you see any strange things on the site this week, it's because I'm switching servers and it's just a massive headache. Uh, I don't know why these things are so difficult. But, uh, but a big shout out to Nigel from Louder Than War magazine that's been helping me with it, because that's very much appreciated. He had a phone call with him earlier today when I was absolutely... Uh, <laughs> Um, I think the correct terminology is losing my shit. Uh, just generally being impatient with it all and just getting frustrated that things aren't working how they should be. 
Um, so thanks, Nigel, for that, mate. I did have an interview with Nigel in the podcast in the archives as well. Uh, he's the main guy with John Robert, Louder Than War magazine. Lovely guy, and I just wanted to say thank you, mate, for uh, uh, for dealing with my uh, petulance uh, and childishness and impatience. Uh, thank you. <laughs> So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you see anything odd over the next few days on RGM, it'll sort itself out eventually. It's uh, it's just service stuff, you know, boring stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's crack on with a new story. An amazing mate. Um, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for... <laughs> God, yeah, stop working. Ladies and gentlemen, but let me get the uh, emphasis back. Ladies and gentlemen... I'm going to introduce you to my mate, Rob Nicholson. Take it away, mate. Hello, mate. You okay? Yeah, I've just got the paperwork out of the way. That's all out of the way now. All the asking for subscribers, bollocks, that YouTubers have to do. Get the admin work done first. <laughs> you've, you've just been showing me around this beautiful new st- uh, studio that you've got behind you, mate. So um, if anybody doesn't know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself to the RGM people watching this? Yeah, um, so... My name is Rob Nicholson, um, and I've always sort of been in the sort of music kind of creative sort of Sheffield thing for a long time, obviously band-wise from sort of early 2004 mm-hmm. onwards, and then now it's a photography thing I'm doing that's um, been really good, been really fulfilling and gone from like strength to strength in the three years since I sort of picked up my first camera. You know, I've gone from second-hand gear and walking around the Peak District taking photos of trees to, you know, having my own sort of studio and working with some really big clients and travelling up and down the country and going to different countries soon as well to do stuff. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but... Yeah. yeah, Pedalo Photography is the name of us, if you want to have a look for us. Yeah, well, um, the, sales, it's mainly me. But In the description of the podcast, there's a link to all of your artwork and all the projects that you've got going on here. But let's delve into that music history that you've got a little bit, first of all. So full disclosure, um, you know, I can remember in the new in pub on Gleaglas, at the bottom of Gleaglas Common, having a pint with you when yeah. we were all young little, young little rotters, weren't we, at that time, just had the world at his feet, just wanting to mm. make it and be in a band. We, we were both in different bands at the time and we were just both eager to <clears throat> change the world with our music at one point, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. That yeah. seems it seems like a lifetime ago, it? but also seems like yesterday as well. Yeah, It's really weird. Yeah, I think it was just, for me, it was a case of like, I knew obviously like some of the guys like Ben and stuff who knew yeah. you and, and Matt. Yeah. And we kind of had our own little sort of gang of mates that were into music, but like didn't do anything or didn't know how to play any instruments or anything like that. And then it wasn't until being a bit more immersed in that scene and and seeing my brother obviously do his thing that I just thought maybe this, I could have a go at this and, you know, let's just do it and see what it's like and have a bit of fun and, I think I remember, like, I didn't even have my own bass for the first six months of being in a band. I was just borrowing somebody else's until I'd saved up enough money to buy my own. But and was that the one thing? Was that the wanted then? Is that what it that was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. Um, like unashamedly, like Britpop. Yeah. And clearly, like, <clears throat> like clearly influenced by Oasis and the Roses and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And so and we, like we, we were it, we were so. called the sound. You had to you you, you had to it had to start with a third in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. What I think we were Danny was our singer. We were at his brother's house because he was yeah. like looking after the house when we decided to start it. I think, yeah. and um, I don't know where the one that came from. I think it was just Danny's idea, and we were like, "That sounds all right." I'm sure there are a million bands out there called the One. <laughs> then soon to be obviously became a really well-known pop band. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we just sort of did it and went from there and then just sort of practiced, got a studio place to go to, like um, Attic Studios and borrowed kit and just learned how to play bass and never really looked back from yeah, there, really. There were good times when it? it kind of like, uh, you know, we were all into like watching Oasis Live and going to gigs and that kind of stuff and having a beer and doing all doing all the things that the... The noughties then, when I keep thinking it's the 90s, it were, it were the early noughties, weren't it? That when we Yeah, were, we're not that old. Stuff. Yeah. I know, yeah, I keep, I keep forgetting. Um, so <clears> you, <throat> you mentioned your kid there. Do you want to tell us a, a story about, you know, your, your kid's journey there, if people aren't aware of it already? Yeah, so my, my brother is Andy, who is the original bass player in a, in a little band called Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Um, so kind of being at the part of all that scene and seeing that all kind of kick off in such a short space of time was like very, I think inspiring for a lot of people, but certainly yeah. inspiring for for someone like me who kind of wanted to do it as well. And, mm. and, um, and really sort of delve into that of just look, you know, look what can happen. And if you put that work in and, and you've got something, you know, it can really, it can really go somewhere, which obviously it has done. And now, so 20 years on the <laughs> yeah, yeah, biggest what, band in the world, aren't they? So. What an amazing journey those lads have been on. So when mm. when was the first time when you like thought back and thought, Christ, something's happening here? When you when, when was the first time that you just from like, you know, being Andy's brother and being around the boys, when did you start to think that, you know, wow, it's, it's, um, it's going somewhere this? It was weird because I think even right up, them, up to them doing really well, even like chart-wise, you don't yeah. really... It doesn't sort of sink in, I don't think. So I know I'd seen, we'd seen them, you know, obviously we'd been to the early gigs and all that kind of thing. And we'd been to like the boardwalk a few times. And then I think I had a few, maybe like a month where I'd not been to sort of see him or maybe two months mm. where I'd not really been to see him because they were maybe doing gigs all over the country, you know, going to like York and Middlesbrough and all that kind of thing. And I just sort of not really gone to any of them. And then they came back and played at the lead mill. And it was just packed. And I just remember sort of standing on the side of the stage while they were playing and going to, I think we're talking to John McClure, I think, and just said, like, when did this happen? Like, this <laughs> yeah. has just gone from, like, zero yeah. to 100. Yeah. And it's still, you know, it's still at such a sort of small level, really, because yeah. it's, you know, they've sold the lead out, which is amazing, but, yeah. you know, still unsigned, really, still yeah. only known by hardcore fans. And, but, yeah, but, like, packed out and... It was sort of then it was like, oh, this is this is fun, you know, this is good. Yeah. But then even when they were like when they were like the Brit Awards, I think he my brother texted me like two days before the Brit Awards were actually on, because they weren't at the gig, they were at the sort of the awards, I mean. And um he texted me with a photo on the tour bus saying we won best new band. And I was like, I was like honestly um and ah of like, maybe I could go and put a bet on because it's live on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if I could like let's go and put like the mortgage saying, Oh, I bet Arty Monkeys win best new band. But then I thought, well, if they find out that we actually know it's happened because I've got a photo of the award, it probably won't go down very well. So, so oh, it's yeah. like it's like having but the even orm- at that stage. It's like having the almanac off thingy, isn't it? Off uh, back to the future. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I think the one I think I mean I'm obviously I, I was a bit maybe naive to the success of it. But I think when you are in so close to them all as, you know, a gang of lads and a group of mates and stuff, you probably don't really step out that much and be like, this is mental. You know, this is really taking off, but yeah. maybe Leeds festival, like 2005, like Red, they've done, I went with them and we'd done Reading on, we, <laughs> they'd done Reading on the Friday um, in the enemy tent. And it was like packed, you know, there's probably like 
three and a half, four thousand people in his tent. It was really, it was like great. And then we went to uh, Coventry, like stayed overnight in Coventry in a hotel and went to Leeds the day after. And then that was just like insane. There was like five, six thousand people just trying to get into this tent. That was three and a half extra security had to come in. All these extra people were coming to like line the front of the stage. Um, there is actually a video of it. I, I recorded this video from my old phone and then kind of like lost this footage. And then about a year ago, I found it on YouTube. Someone had put, I don't know how they got hold of it. Maybe I posted it on a forum <laughs> or something. Yeah. And it like, I don't say leads because I probably posted it somewhere and forgot about it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then I watched this doc- little documentary the other day about it. And then this guy was like, this is the only real footage of that gig. And I was like, yeah, it was mental. You know, like the crowd was mental. And there's a little clip, there's a little moment in that clip where they start to play when the sun goes down and the crowd just sort of take over and start singing the intro. And then it just goes louder and louder and louder where they're just chanting like monkeys, 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 louder and louder and louder. And Andy sort of like looks back at the camera, like really wide eyed. <laughs> and there was a bit of a moment of like, wow, this is, yeah. this is mental. Um, so it was probably, that was the moment I thought, yeah, we're onto something here. This is, this is incredible. And then obviously all the chart stuff sort of happened and it was good. So yeah, it was a really good time. Well, uh, I've, I've, I'm not going to say this story again, cause I've banged on about it for, I keep getting asked it every time Arctic Monkeys bring a new album out, you know, the first ever gig that they did down at the grapes where half of Sheffield were there. Uh, yeah. weren't they um, but, I, but I, we actually were there yeah but we actually were there yeah and there were we about 40 were people there. there in the grapes weren't there or something like that yeah so I, yeah, I've told the still... stories many a times before what, what do you remember from that night yourself personally um, I just remember how like fun it was really and how sort of a bit nervous they all were yeah and I remember sort of being I don't think I was in the sound check but I think they were getting ready to go on and they were so sort of young to it all. I think I only needed like the engineer Ash, I think it would have yeah, been no, to like yeah. tell him what to do with his bass amp and <laughs> no turn, no this style, no next, yeah. no next one, that kind of thing, just to turn the treble up on the bass or something. And yeah, I just remember him, half of his work were there because he'd just started this job as a, he laid me for this. He was a junior at Tony and Guy because he wanted to train oh, to nice. be an hairdresser. Okay. So loads of the girls from the hairdressers had come. Yeah. And it was like two days before I was going on holiday with my mates. So some of them would come, some of them would come. And I just remember it just being like really fun. And then playing, you know, covers of like the Datsuns. And yeah. I think they did a cover of Val I'm Only Sleeping, just Alan, Matt maybe did that. Um, I'm very raw, obviously. There probably is a bit of audio. I think you've got that audio somewhere, haven't you? We, we it, uh, Well, what happened was, just, to, just for people who don't know the story, uh, your drummer out of the Wanted was Matt Revel. Matt, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Revel, uh, no, uh, no, your your lead guitarist was Ben Revel in The Wanted. His brother, yeah, Matt Revel, yeah, yeah. drummed for us at the time and we were headlining that gig. So he just got one of these fucking uh, mini discs. It was like the future, you know, look at this little thing. Yeah, yeah. It was like a little <laughs> CD thing. And he, he was testing his uh, his sound recorder at the gig uh, and, he, and he tested it, at, I think, I think he just set it to record when the monkeys were on, just before we come on, so we were going to record our set. And that uh, that audio got leaked through LimeWire. Back in the day when you had LimeWire on your computer, yeah. your computer just sent out your files to, to the public. It was just one of them free streaming services things, weren't it, where you can nick music and stuff. And it ended yeah. up out there in the big old world, annoyingly. 
and it's on YouTube with hundreds of thousands of you know views and stuff on it. Annoyingly, now I'm a YouTuber. That's that'd be nice to bring that out these days, wouldn't it? And you know, just trying to kill for those views. I know you bloody could, you bloody could, could you? But it's, but in it, just like um, you know, just like just a, a chance thing like that. At least it got recorded, and at least there's there's documentation of it out there in the world. Cause yeah, because it because because even then, and, and and the main thing that I remember from the gig is is the band kicking us out, and we were the headliners. They kicked us out their sound check because they wanted to make it get, to get it right. So they were yeah. they, they were they were really professional from yeah from yeah the absolutely off, they? yeah yeah, and I think that comes from maybe I was you know dad's been a music teacher and stuff and yeah. and really wanting to to be detailed and what they do and everything so i think all along you have you got to admire like the professionalism yeah. you know all along i think the only chaos in the band was ever when i did something it was <laughs> he was the sort of chaos yeah. that maybe grounded it all a little bit but yeah it was good it was a really good night and it was more like i don't know being in a bit of a shock really that they've done it and yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't know. I mean, you don't know what's going to come from it, do you? You don't know. You don't think like, right? Remember this moment because this is oh, going to be it. No. Yeah, well, it was just your brother and his mates having some fun and yeah, it, and you, stuff. And when you get asked, when you get asked the question, it's just like you know, was it just like a magical evening? No, no, it was, it was just like just another a, night, a Tuesday night down the like trips a, or whatever it were. Yeah, thing, and you know, just midweek. Um, I think we've still got the guitar somewhere. I think Andy's got that Al's guitar that he had. Oh, right. Somewhere at home, we mum had it for a little bit, and then I think oh. maybe we'll take it. But I think we're going to try and get it back to him at some point. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. He might not want it, but I, I, I just remember Al being really curious, and we we used to see him down at Brighton Beach. Did you ever go down to Brighton Beach when they, they moved? Oh it, yeah, I loved it. They moved loved it away. They moved it away from City Hall, and it were down mm. uh, they were, while they were doing up the City Hall, and they'd moved it down to Foundry. They moved yeah. it down there, and all the Harrisons used to be there. Uh, I think yeah. Melbourne um, were down there. Definitely the Harrisons, because we used to get hammered with them all the time. You guys were down there from the Wanted. We used to see Al and the boys down there as well. And I, I can remember him asking me, like, you know, like, what, what do you think of the band and that kind of stuff? I'm like, mate. And, and, and they just started to, like, pick up. I, I just think they just sold out the lead mill, and they were asking me for advice. Mm. I'm like, Al, you'll be all right, mate. I think you're doing all right. <laughs> I think you're on to something. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. yeah that, Brighton but, Beach, that Brighton yeah. Beach night was amazing because it was just like a big, um, I don't know, like, we, you could go on your own yeah. and, you know, not, right. have, not think, yeah. oh, I'm going to a club night on my own because you yeah. just knew people would be there, you yeah, know, yeah, especially yeah. when it was at the ballroom in the city hall, like, yeah. Everyone's, you know, in the best sort of Fred Perry and everything and trying to look as cool as they can and be the ace face of the night and everything. But it, everyone it, just knew someone would be there. All the bands in Sheffield and all the musicians and anybody that were just like doing that similar kind of like-minded people were just all there. We, it were great, weren't yeah. it? I, I can remember going there many a time just on my own and like, I don't know, just ending up with, with your get a taxi home or whoever. Yeah, like, yeah. Anybody, it should... It were, it was a golden age of Sheffield music. That it, it, it was a special time, weren't it? Absolutely, yeah. I, I kind of, yeah. If anyone ever says to you, like, you know, if you could go back to any point in time, what would it be? And it'd be like probably two thousand and four. <laughs> yeah, it's just like so so fun, you know. Yeah. Everything. And I mean, obviously, I'd probably do it not even like without any knowledge of what's to come, you know, because it was just so exciting and and fun to do, and something was different. Everybody was creating, and everyone was like exciting these bands were getting places and there was a real buzz about the city and there were loads more venues where people were playing at um it was good it was a good time to sort of be 
in the music scene just, in Sheffield, I think. Really, it might be now, but I'm just so yeah. out of it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I like, no idea. <laughs> I, I, I can remember seeing, like, you know, hearing Arctic Monkeys on the radio, that kind of stuff. And then I can remember watching Coronation Street and seeing the State of Things poster on the wall when characters were walking past. Yeah, like, yeah. The Maker's first album, you know, little things like that when you think, this fucking, you know, this, it's on Coronation Street, it's, it's got a poster on the wall, you know, mm. when you're walking past. Little things like that from a Sheffield musician when you think there's something going on here. Don't, know what's happened since Pulp, it feels like. And now, two bands are like like kicking off and just having it and doing amazing and then and then we ended up with Little Mante and Milburn and loads more came after that it was such a special time yeah. weren't it I just I don't, I don't know I'm just I'm blubbering because I, I just love that time no yeah, you're right I mean and as and I remember the NME thing and as cringy as the the New Yorkshire title was because yeah. I think they wanted to sort of link it to the strokes and LCD sound system and everything that was happening a couple of years prior yeah. it was it was like a good gang of bands and um, it was really sort of inspiring to be around and you know those bands probably sparked other bands and there's probably yeah. people now who are in bands because they'd been to see Milburn or because they'd mm. seen the Harrisons or Gaskell or somebody like that mm. there'll be bands that are around now because of them or or cite them as an influence and, and maybe we don't think of that too much because yeah. we probably you know everyone probably thinks well these guys are in a band because they're artsy monkeys because they're still you know this sort of superpower of music almost yeah but I don't know if people really stop to think, you know, it's other bands as well, like Milburn that were there. You know, Monkeys used to support Milburn. Yeah. They were the ones, you know, yeah. Milburn, if anybody get that, if anyone is to sort of get the credit of kicking off that Sheffield scene in the early 2000s, you know, Milburn are the ones that were doing that. So um, I don't know if they get enough credit, but there'd be so many bands that are inspired by them. And you still see it now. There's still, yeah. you know, I go to Joe's gigs every Christmas and help him with, you know, some yeah, sort yeah. of artwork and photo stuff and video stuff there and, the stuff that the kids there that are singing well, 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 bike, you know, they're 18, 19 and yeah. probably went alive when it was coming out. So it's great to see it. What, what was it like for you personally, just chugging away in the wanted when you could see your Andy flying? <laughs> I'm always fascinated with that kind of stuff. Um, It's both inspiring because yeah. you can think, look what can happen, mm. but then almost a bit, um, demoralizing because it's not going to happen because yeah. that kind of thing doesn't come along much. Mm. I mean, in my opinion, bands like that, you have like the Beatles and then Oasis and then Arctic Monkeys and, you know, there's others that are, you know, Nirvana probably in there as well and other bands, but of that sort of British rock style or British music style, I don't know if anyone else has really captured that like they did. So, mm there's always that thing in the back of the mind knowing of like, it doesn't really matter what I do because it's not going to be this, you know, I'm not going to get the plaudits they get. We're not going to be an enemy. We're not going to do this, that and the other. Mm. But then that's where you you think, why? Well, I'm doing it because I enjoy it rather than anything else. And I think that's, I think we were guilty of doing things to try and do be something or try and get somewhere. Mm. And I think that's always a bit of a dangerous thing to do when you're trying to write songs that are like, um, you know, what would people like? What what kind of song do we want to get as known somewhere? You know, yeah. do we have songs that are like people can can listen to? Like, how do we write a hit and all that kind of thing? Yeah. And I think if we look back and think, well, if we do it for us, then that's the main thing. That's the enjoyment, which is that's kind of the attitude I have now with like photography. Really, like mm. if I like it, that's kind of what I'm going for, and, and not really thinking what do I need to do to make this shot look good or something like that. It's all, it's all about my satisfaction from it. And I don't know if there was that satisfaction there because 
it was so hard to like keep pushing and keep chugging away yeah. when you're playing to like five people on a Friday night or something. Yeah. But then, and then you, you know, brothers on the sold out tour. So yeah, well, no, I, I get it, and it's still relevant now that kind of advice because I see so many bands that just take themselves so fucking seriously, and all, all they want is just to finish the gig that they're advertising and, and play a bigger gig and then play a bigger gig instantly uh, without mm. like kind of really like just sitting back and enjoying what they do. And in, in, in my bed, you know, band, I can, I'll, I'll speak for myself where we made every mistake possible, played Sheffield probably three or four times too much every week. Mm. Sometimes, you know, playing yeah. Sheffield every venue yeah. within a week. So you just saturate, saturizing the crowd that you're going to get. You're just going to end up with four shit gigs when you could combine all those people and just do one big gig. And it's going to be miles yeah. more beneficial and that kind of stuff. And just, and just instead of just like not really thinking about it, just I don't know. We didn't know what we were doing, and we made every mistake under the sun. And that's why I, I love doing RGM because I can pass on that advice to young bands that are taking themselves miles too seriously, um, and just should just take a step back and just enjoy it to be in the moment a bit more. Which, which I think being in the moment yeah. a bit more is not just musicians. That could be for everybody if you've got a busy lifestyle as well, couldn't it? You know, just like. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that would be the same. I would sort of also give the same advice of just enjoy it, you know, yeah. be in the moment of, yeah. of doing something and don't get too hung up on being like a success, you know, yeah. like not to get all kind of Rick Rubin, but if you've created something in the first place, then that's a success. You know, if yeah. you've created something and, and been brave enough to put it out, that's a success. It's just, yeah. you know, it might not be the audience or the amount of, the amount of people might not hear it that you want to hear it, but you are success if you're creating and doing something if you wanted to be a creative person so mm. yeah my my i would always say just enjoy it because if you get too hung up in it and too caught up in it and it becomes a chore and you start to hate it and you start to fall out with each other which is just which happens as well yeah. because you know there's a shared frustration of maybe not getting anywhere then mm. it does it just takes it out of you and just enjoy it just do it for you and mm. think this is what i want i'll make music you want to listen to it's, yeah. it's what I always kind of go with. Well, I know your Andy's mentioned it on podcasts before, but you know, what, what kind of, what was the catalyst for him to think it's just not for me, this? Um, there was sort of stuff, a lot of things, sort of personal stuff going on at home yeah. and, and stuff that he wanted to sort of deal with. Mm. And I don't know, I don't know. Maybe he just sort of, it was a lot. And I think it was a lot for all of them. Yeah. It's a lot to take, kids you know 17 18 19 year old mm. kids and take them away and they go on tour for three weeks then they come back for two days off and those two days off are in london having a meeting or something and then they're off planning another tour and i think it's a lot and i think the mental fatigue of it mm. wasn't really spoke about back then no. and i think we've come such a long way in the last sort of 15 years with it that it's all right to sort of say like this is a lot <clears throat> you know this is a lot for me to sort of process and you know all that kind of thing so yeah i don't know i don't know i think there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of said about it about sort of what happened and you know he's kind of answered all that himself yeah. so he's um yeah but you know he's grateful he's doing well he's yeah. you know he's a music producer still he's yeah, still yeah, in yeah. music he's still doing a lot of stuff he's still very successful in what he does um, still one of my favorite tunes ace, ace and spades is it Ace of Spades? Is that, is that where? Oh, Clubs did? and Spades. Clubs and Spades. That's how I got it wrong. Yeah, that, that's yeah, one of my favorite yeah, yeah. about your kid. Um, yeah, so is he still doing Gold Teeth? He's doing some stuff with them. Yeah, Gold Teeth is still his production stuff. So, yeah, okay. 
He's still doing that. Um, I've done loads of stuff, you know, done stuff yeah. with Todd Lattier a lot. He did some stuff for one of the last United, Sheffield United kit launch videos yeah. with some stuff he produced as well and helped, and helped work on and stuff. So he's got, you know, he's producing Joe Carnell's new album for Good Cop, Good Cop, Bad Cop. Um, a lot of stuff, works with a lot of people in a lot of different genres as well and, mm. and doing, you know, what he wants to do with his life, you know. Yeah. No. It's 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 uh, really commendable that he's still in that field and he's still doing everything um, and still progressing and still growing and still growing as a person and you know doing what he wants. Yeah, no, I I hear you both still got you know a great relationship with the band with the lads as well. When mm. in Sheffield recently, um, I can remember seeing a picture with you and Matt while you were looking at the stage. What were you talking about on that picture, by the way? You and Matt Elders um, when you were looking at the stage. I think we were so so we kind of. I met Matt in the morning and we'd gone to, we picked, like, picked him up at his hotel and then went to, I think we went to Bradfield for some dinner, just to sort of get out of the way and just sort of, you know, connect. And then it was nice because my brother and his girlfriend came and met us. So it was like a nice little, little meal between us. And like with um, Oara was there as well, um, which was really nice. And then we kind of went down to the site and just had a little wander around and sort of soaked it all in. I'd, I've not seen them play live since. How Andy was in the band, so that was the wow. first time I'd been yeah. to see them play. So it was a really big moment, really. So yeah. I spoke to them, and we, you know, we'd seen each other um, in different sort of social settings and, and that kind of thing, and had little exchanges over messages and stuff before then. So we were just sort of wandering around, and I think we were saying like, I think we we're just talking about the stage and how big it is, and yeah. and if and how if he sort of sat on his drum stool, he could see. Um, Park, the house on Parkside Road where it all sort of started. Oh, wow. Okay. Which was where we used to live. Me and Andy used to live and everyone used to come for tea, you know. Al used to come for his egg and chips and stuff. And it kind of, um, it was kind of like one of the hubs of it all starting was in there where they used to sort of come and hang out because my mum would just, you know, it's only me and my mum and my brother. So yeah. it'd be like a little, yeah, come around, bring your mates. I don't, you know, oh. nice and fun and everything. So I think we were just saying how mad it was that, you know, that started there and yet here we are in, in Elsmore Park and there's going to be 40,000 people here over two, you know, each night and it's going to be yeah. pretty mental. So, yeah, we were just wandering around the site and then that was the last bit because I think the doors were about to open so we had to kind of rush yeah, yeah. back before people rushed in and he got mobbed and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. It was nice, yeah. It were, it were a beautiful gig. Uh, it was red mm. hot. I can remember being at the Saturday one and it was just red hot and just everybody were having so much fun. And I just couldn't yeah. believe, I, I just got all the hoo-ha that goes on after an Arctic Monkeys gig about, uh, they didn't mention Sheffield too much and, the, <clears> and, the, and they played quite subdued. Uh, I can remember having a bit of a laugh with you about the kind of reaction the monkeys get sometimes when they play locally and the expectation from a local crowd mm. for them to be somewhat different than what they're not is really unrealistic and unfair on yeah. the band in many ways as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I saw people saying like, they never mentioned Sheffield. Like, I don't, what, you know, <laughs> someone tweeted something really funny saying, what did you expect him to do? Like come out singing about Sheffield and yeah. douse himself in Edison's relish. Like, <laughs> It's just not what they are. And they've never been that. They were never that when they were on the way up. They were never that yeah. when they were doing yeah. 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 venues. They were yeah. never like Sheffield, this, that, and the other. Yeah. It was just all about the music and all about them playing. And yeah. I I appreciate that. I, I've been to gigs where bands just talk and talk to the crowd. And, you know, if you have to, in my opinion, this is probably from, you know, me and you going and watching Oasis because yeah. they never really had to do that. Yeah. If you have to keep doing that and keep mentioning stuff and keep saying Sheffield, let's see, all this kind of thing, if it's a big on time and coming gig, then 
in my opinion, I don't think you've got the crowd where you want them to. If you can yeah. go and turn up and do a gig and everyone goes mad and you don't have to say a word, you've got them in the palm of your hand. And I think they do. That's what they were doing. It is, isn't it? It's a, um, it's a, it's a bit... It's a little bit cheap for a band, a big band, mm. to get an instant pop in it, I suppose. Cheap pop. Tell Mick Foley cheap yeah, pop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do like his wrestling as well. well. We might come to that in a bit if we get that way. But yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah it, is, it is a cheap pop in it, in a way, for a band to yeah. like, just to, like, like it might be quite quiet and then say, come on, Sheffield or whatever. Then, and then it gets the crowd going. And then, yeah, it is a little bit cheap sometimes. Yeah, it? I mean, the th- he did mention Sheffield, though, because I remember yeah. hearing him say it. He did say, like, yeah. you know, Sheffield, you would have been amazing, as I knew you would be. And everyone, yeah. like, so, we, you know, I don't know what people were expecting. But, you know, that's just, they've never been like that. They've never been that kind of band that does that. You know, there's not much talking in between gigs, which I appreciate because yeah. that's not what you're here for, you know. Yeah, know. I'm not here to, if I went to see Oasis, I'm not here to listen to Liam do a 15 minute speech <laughs> about something. I'm like, just sing rock and roll stuff yeah. for me and maybe. <laughs> yes, Swagger, around. do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, let, yeah. let me escape from what I'm in at the yeah, minute, and yeah. you know, be in this moment with you and all these people, and that's what I want, you know, to listen to this music and stuff. So it was good. I went. I didn't go the Saturday. I went the Friday, um, and it was very strange because like the first song they played was Certain Romance, and that was the last song I ever heard and played live. So there was a little bit of like anxiety about being there, but then as soon as I heard that drum start, I was like, okay, Where this is going to be good. I'm all right now. Yeah, well, it was nice. And then there was a little, you know, um, I spoke to Matt about it afterwards and said, oh, it's so good that you played Sir Romance. He's like, I didn't know we were playing it until like an hour before we went on set. So oh, okay. Al just wanted to put it in at the beginning. I think it was a little nod to our Andy, I think. So oh, nice. I think he wanted to play that for him. So it was nice. And then we had a good little few drinks afterwards, yeah. up to Fagan's and um, nice, very bit surreal sort of me and Matt and Pele from the Hives just having oh, a chat. Nice. and. yeah. yeah. So it was lovely to like two in the morning, which is two in the morning is a lot different when you're 40 than when you were yes. 23. Yes, it is. Especially when you don't drink anymore. So you're just under 0% and everyone's <laughs> gradually, you know, getting more and more drunk and you're in sort of like, they're noticing it more. And then you get to a point where like people have started repeating themselves three or four times yeah. and you're like, okay, I'm going to go home now because I think this is, this is me done. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, I, I get it. But no, it was a great, great weekend. Great weekend for Sheffield. It was, um, yeah. They just like to moan, I think, Sheffield yeah. people a bit, a little bit. You know, like, uh, I think like, it's like, what we do it, best sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's quite, well, I, I enjoy a moan. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, same, I'm same, same. And, uh, it, just like, <laughs> just the last thing on it, do you know, like, when, they, when they mentioned uh, they didn't play enough songs off the first album, I'm just like, for God's sake, just, if, if you if you want to listen to the first album, just listen to the first album, that this is the new stuff, and particularly when they bring a new yeah. album out, all that kind of bullshit. I just think, oh, God, just get move on with your life. Yeah, people. I find that, and I find, you know, <laughs> It was the same when Tranquility Base came yeah. out and it was the same when the car came out and people were sort of saying certain stuff about it. And my thing for that is like, it's not shit. You, it's just not for you. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, yeah, they yeah. grow and a band that continues yeah. to evolve and change is the reason why they're so yeah. where they are. It's the reason why they've just done a 20-day tour of stadiums in America. You know what I mean? It's the reason why they're playing every football stadium in the country in England mm-hmm. because they evolve and they grow and they build... And it's not just about that clangy guitar sound anymore. You know, there's a lot of depth to them. Yeah. So, if you, yeah, you know, if you're abandoned, you grow and you explore yourselves and you you want to be sonically different and all that kind of thing, then more power to you and you deserve that. Yeah. So how did, so when your band stopped for a bit then, how did you move forward uh, as, 
a human yourself you know how, how did you develop and stay creative with things after you stopped playing music yourself personally it, it was hard you know um we stopped doing the wanted after a few years i think we just sort of fell out of love with it a little bit and yeah. probably the grind of it was you know really stressful and you start to lose members here and there and then your lineup starts to change a little bit and someone comes in someone leaves someone doesn't want to do it someone can't do it because they've got you know they want to go to something else. No, I can't do that gig. I'm going away yeah. to this thing. And it's like, come on, man, what are we, what are we doing? Um, so when I left them and I I then joined Double Leaders like pretty much straight away, mm. um, who just parted ways with their bass player and very different sounding, very different sound to what I played. And I was very inspired by like, by sort of like Oasis and very driven bass lines. He was a very like technical bass player a lot of riffs and all that kind of thing i'm like right first of all that's not me so if yeah i don't do all these riffs and everything yeah. i'm not doing fills i'm not doing runs <laughs> on the bass line i'm i if, if anything i'm gonna play three notes and just drive <laughs> it forward and stuff you know yeah. but my i kind of concentrated on the sound a little bit so i would sort of play around with sounds of like overdrive and like tremolo on the bass and things like that so um kind of came in and and joined them and it went it was pretty good like we did really good stuff you know we played the first Tram lines we were on the main stage playing that. We played with like the enemy at their Christmas gig in Coventry, which was pretty crazy. Did a lot of stuff. But then again, the grind of that, you know, how much do you want it when you're driving down to London and playing to five people because someone from a record label says they're going to come and see you and they don't. And then you get an home at five in the morning and you're driving the van. So you've not had a drink and yeah. all you've been paid in is a crate of red stripe. So. <laughs> it's a bit hard to keep that focus going in it and keep pushing. So I think we got to a point where we were trying new things and trying to get somewhere. And it was always for us, like on the cusp of breaking through and doing something, but it just sort of didn't work out. And I think a lot of us like lost the love for it a little bit. So it was hard and, you know, did something again after that with another couple of lads. We did a band called These Bloody Thieves for a little bit with Rob Erst and, uh, and stuff, did a couple of gigs with that. And again, that was just the same thing, just commitments. But that by that point, we're getting older. People have got kids yeah. or people are at uni, people have got work, yeah. and it's finding it a lot harder to commit and stuff. So then we just kind of stopped. And then, yeah, I never really did anything for a bit. I think the only time I played... A gig was like like a works Christmas do thing where we put a bit of a band together and we just played like covers of like the Beatles and James Brown and stuff like that. We did like Queen covers and stuff. So it was hard. And I think maybe for a, a good 10 year period, we almost like maybe lost myself creatively a lot. Oh, didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Didn't know where I wanted to be or what my purpose was really. And it wasn't until I started photography that i kind of found that and found me really yeah i can i can I quite can, deep that in it found no, me <laughs> I, I i i can relate to that because as a bit of a show-off kind of like when when my band stopped and everybody started getting boring and having kids and that kind of stuff and i just wanted to carry on i still want to do one last gig but it's not going to happen <laughs> but hey uh, i i i, I kind of like to had to find something else to do and i started to do stand-up for a year was absolutely yeah. appalling at it but it opened up loads of other avenues for me. So like, like I did a film, I did, I started hosting music gigs and that kind of stuff. So when you, when you get into that kind of situation, getting yourself out of your comfort zone, is it, it was for me a really good way of moving forward with just with my life and just doing what I want to do really. Yeah. So how, how did you, what tools did you use to find photography or did you always have a, 
an eye for that kind of thing? Um, I think I've always, it's always been something I've, I've liked. I've just never had the equipment or the, you know, yeah. I've always liked a good photograph. I've always like tried to take cool photographs on like on my phone, like, you know, back in the day of having the like hipstamatic app and trying to make these photos look cool and edgy and everything. So and Andy was always into photography. He even did like an exhibition of his work where he'd like printed it on canvases and, you know, put them up and people went to see him and stuff. So I think there was a, probably a bit of that. My uncle used to be a photographer for the Sheffield Star. So he had like yeah. a studio that we would go to sometimes and like his work was really, really good and yeah. inspiring. My great uncle used to have like cameras all the time and he would go and photograph things and, and stuff. So it was always probably there in, in my subconscious, really, that mm. that was a big thing in our, in our family of photography. And then I think it was just just before lockdown happened, I just thought, I'm going to buy a camera and see what I can do. And mm. I bought a second-hand Sony from Harrison and my brother gave me a few lenses that he had lying around. And then I bought some really cheap lenses and just started going out and taking photos and then obviously lockdown happened and you know you're told don't come to work so like well I can't just sit in the house all day so I'm going to go and drive him you know going out on my own and like you know respecting the rules and everything and just going on my own for a walk in the countryside when you were allowed to and just taking photos from there and it just kind of just kind of grew from that really then started buying things buying like flash because I wanted to learn how to use flash so taking photos of things in the spare room with like a backdrop and things like that. Cause I wanted to know how to use flash photography and a lot of, lots of YouTube, lots of like learning. And that's what I could say. How, how, stuff. how technical do you get with it all? Like understanding all the settings on a camera and stuff. Are you all over that now? Is, is yeah. That, yeah. Is so I, I kind of made the decision of like, just learn it and shooting manual. And there's still stuff yeah. now, you know, I'm like three and a bit years in and there's still stuff that I'm yeah. tweaking and learning and, you know, lighting and things like that there's still stuff that I learn and I still probably don't really know what type of photographer I, I want to be. I think the body of work I have is so broad from like yeah. work I do with the bars for like cocktails and stuff like that to like people and then out and doing stuff. And it's, it's still, you know, finding yourself, but I, I mean, I've spoken to photographers who were like 10 years in do like massive things for big companies and they're still like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm yeah. wanting to be with my photography. So yeah, I'm very obsessive with stuff. So if I get into something, I need to learn about it. I need yeah. to know everything there is to know about it. You know, I'll learn and be very like driven to finding out every little thing the camera does and how to do it and and looking for like, you know, I'll find a, a photograph I like and then think how do I replicate mm-hmm. that or how do I learn how to do something like that, which then leads on to developing a different style and stuff. So well, I, I noticed quite quick just how diverse your portfolio was because you, you know, yeah. you, you obviously did a lot of like Sheffield stuff because in lockdown you were just out and about doing what's around you, and mm-hmm. then like even doing like then I saw you on top at bus with Sheffield United team celebrating, filming some of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah. how, how how different that kind of stuff, and how, how do you like yeah. how do you manage the different situations? Do you set out? Do you just take it in your stride and just, or did you try and get an idea of what it's going to be um, like? And I don't, no, I, don't I think it's just do. Like I've been, I've been very, very fortunate that I've not, um, I've never sort of had to go and ask anybody if they want some work. I've never had to mm. go to people and say, "Let me do this work for you," or "Here's some services I can provide." Um, I've always been, I've been fortunate that everyone has like come to me, and I think that's just mm. a case of me getting my head down and learning my craft and yeah. um, posting what I'm doing. That then people see that, and then people kind of you know, 
like don't throw things away i think and it's probably the same with music as well like if you write a song you're not happy with it keep all of it because there might be something you can pull from that and it's the same with the photo work really like i took a photo of some trainers i'd bought and i'd got some colored card and i wanted to like do something a bit different you know learn how to make this sort of picture and I took this I was in here when I had the studio and I took these photos, posted them on an Instagram story. So they're there for 24 hours. That was the only place I put them. And then three weeks later, I was getting a phone call from Expose magazine to do a cover shot for like Hendo's and Hendo's crisps things. And, you know, yeah. can you come up with some shots for that? And I said, oh yeah, I've been thinking about stuff. I've been doing stuff with like colored card and things like that. And they said, yeah, yeah that's what we saw. That's what we saw to get and mm-hmm. thought that's what we want. So yeah. I think it just goes to show if just like keep practicing and keep doing stuff and and just be broad in what you want to do you either find what it is you're doing or you kind of you know very quickly think that's not for me i'll move on to this or that and the other so just it's just... been broad it's been really like a bit of everything but i've i've enjoyed it you know i, I enjoy oh, yeah. the challenge of it all and it might be difficult oh i've never done that before so yeah let's try that i've never done this kind of work before yeah all right let's have a go and see how it works just just while we're on the relish thing, <laughs> it, it, I still don't understand why people in Sheffield love having pictures of relish on the, in the house. It's just me, and I'm, I'm quite like, I'm, I'm a little bit on my own with this kind of thought, but for me, the relish thing, uh, a relish defining the people of Sheffield, some somewhere deep down doesn't feel right with me. How do you feel about relish being so influential in, in Sheffield and Hendo's and Henderson's and all that kind of stuff? I think, um, I think people are really... <laughs> Proud of it because it's a Sheffield thing. Yeah. But I think if you asked, I bet about 60% of them like, oh, I don't really use it. It's just in the cupboard. I don't have it on yeah. anything. I don't think I don't have it on anything. I don't even know if I've even got any. I've got some information in Manchester. Now. Somebody bought me some because I live in Manchester now. Yeah. Like, they just assume you like it. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're yeah. from Sheffield. You must want some medicines. Right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. And it's, you know, with the right thing, yeah. it's good. But I'm not like, I'm not putting it on everything. Do you have pictures on you all of it? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. It, it, for me, that's just no. a little bit too far because people have quite a few of them. Like, they have, might have a wall of fucking yeah. of pictures of Henderson. Like, part of Henderson's relish, is it? Anyway, let's go back to your photography archival. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, other projects. Now, you've worked with Toddler T as well. Tell us about that experience of working with T. Um, known T for a while. So we actually used to go to primary school together oh, back yeah. in the day. We didn't really sort of know each other back then, but then mm. sort of met each other again, sort of, maybe mid 2006 seven kind of era um just when sort of tram lines was really kicking off we kind of you know linked back up again and then just sort of been mates for since then really and um he was doing this video thing he said oh, i've got some, some i've got something i might need some help with if you fancy it um need some shots of like park hill and some video stuff for this music video i'm doing but yeah sound that sounds fun i've got a drone and we've got this idea of um He's got a ring and it's got like the outline of Park Hill from above on it. So we had this idea of like flying above Park Hill and zooming down into the ring with the same thing. So it ended up being a video. Then we took some press shots and then some other little photos. Um, T's a really good photographer. Well, his his photography is really good. Um, I really like his style. And then he sort of said, oh, we're doing this. um, I've been asked to go on the bus with the United players to DJ on the bus through town for the parade. Right, okay. Do you want to come with me and film some bits for the video? Like, it's all sorted. They know you can come and everything. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not going to turn that down. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was mad. Yeah, we kind of got there. We'd done the bit at Park Hill, and then we drove down in my car, like me, Tommy's dad and his little boy. 
And we went down to Bramall Lane and went in and like, it was a bit surreal. I don't know. There was a little bit like, because we were in work mode. I don't think we like appreciated it too much or sort of let it sunk in. And we went to like in, into the players' lounge and all the players are there with a the family and we sat talking. And then we went and got like ready on the bus and got on the top. And it was literally just a table with some decks on and that, that was it. There was no like hiding or anything like, like that. And then there was still a bit of us that were like, oh, maybe the player's gone another one and we're on this one and it's all, you know, a bit forgot about. But it was literally just me, Toddler, and the first team yeah. and the first team coaching staff and then a few of the, like, club videographers and photographers and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was a pr- it was pretty mad. And then all the players are coming on and, like, saying hello and I'm like, how are you doing? And the chat with him and everything. And then, and then yeah, just sort of went through Sheffield with, like, your boiled club after winning promotion. <laughs> for, yeah, like, filming stuff taking photos and everything and it was crazy and then we got to like we kind of had to leave so as soon as we got to town hall we kind of had to get back because toddler was getting taken back to london because he had something with his wife had something on so he had to get back for like a book launch thing she was doing so you need to get back for that so we walked to bramall lane and we were like that was mad yeah like having a bit of a chat about it and then later that night he sent me a voice message and just said that was mad we were in the grip of things because we were working but two boys from Manor Lodge Primary School and we're on the bus with the United players. I'm like, yeah, that, that's kind of when it sunk in of like, yeah. that was pretty crazy. That was a bit mad. It is mad. It, it, oh. It's like, I don't know. It's just like being out of your comfort zone again, isn't it? You're just like, it's just like, mm. you, you must reflect on them bits and just think, Fucking, I've got a bit of a mad life. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. It's, it's mad. It's a good life. And yeah. I, I don't think I like, I don't think I reflect enough because I'm, I'm mm. kind of constantly like, yeah you know, right, what's next? What do I do next? And what do I have an idea about next? Or where do I want to go with this next? I don't really sort of sit back and think about what it is that I've done. And mm. every so often, you know, every month or so, I might like, or every two months, I kind of update or tweak the website and add a few more photos here and there. And it's only then when I like scroll through it, where I'm like, oh, wow, fucking hell, I've done a lot of stuff. And Idris Elba, tell us about that. What, what, happened, what happened with Idris Elba? Yeah, that was, well, that was after the, it was kind of all part of the same thing. And then Sodder was like, well, we've got someone filming it, um, but can you come down and do some behind the scenes photos? Because it's the only time we'll have uh, General Levy and Naomi Coward and Idris are going to, we're all going to be in the same room. So we're going to go and film at this place called the Tabernacle in London. It's like Nottingham, like very like at the heart of like the carnival and everything like that. So we're going to film in there. I was like, okay, the guy gave me the day. I said, well, luckily, two days after before um, after that, I'm in London anyway, because I was doing the Ride London oh. charity thing yeah. with a few lads, with Joe from Joe Carnell from Melbourne and like O'Hara and, there was, and Lou Carnell. We were doing that to like raise some money for Roundabout Charity. Oh. So I'm like, I'm here anyway, so I'll just have an extra couple of nights and come down before. And then, yeah, went, drove over, got there about 10 at night, did a bit of behind-the-scenes filming, did some photos, um, ended up like some of the stuff I was doing was the press shots. So then I got like sent pictures of it on like billboards in the middle of London and stuff like that of this photo I'd taken. And but and yeah, sounded like really sound. But I think because I again probably didn't like take a step back and think about it because I'm in tight work mode. I'm like, right, okay, let's get the shots I need. Let's be this. And then it wasn't until I got back at like three in the morning where like, man, I've just been hanging out with Idris Elba. That's mad. And he was like really <laughs> lovely and like we had a bit of a chat and everything. And you know. Does it take you? It's does it take you a little bit to wind down from them type of situations, like mentally? Does it take you a little bit? 
like to. I think so. Like. Yeah, I think it does because it's such a high. I mean, especially because you know I still have another like a day job as well. Yeah. You know, this is not like a full time gig for me at the minute. Mm. So there are times where it's a very like crazy high that you're doing something, especially if I've like gone to London. Like I've been doing some stuff with a friend of mine's podcast company called Persephonica and um been doing the press shots of Ed Balls and George Osborne. So I've been going oh, down a couple yeah. of times and doing some studio work, um, shots in Spotify studio with them. That's a random one, isn't it? That's a, that's, that, that, yeah, I, can yeah. that. I forgot about those pictures. That's a, a random situation to be in with, to be, to be in with the yeah. two uh, ex like chancellors. Ex chancellor <laughs> and shadow chancellor. Yeah. 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 And they were both look like lovely, you know, regardless yeah. of what you think from politically and everything, they're both really sound. So yeah, that was were another they, thing. Yeah, Dino rang me Were they still arguing about politics with each other? Did they, did they, did it? No, they were. They were like they they're actually on the same page with a lot of stuff. I mean, politi- right. politically, they probably are opposites a little bit. But yeah. when they were talking about things that are currently happening, it was quite interesting to sort of oh, okay. listen That's to. Funny. Um, but yeah, I, I just got a phone call saying, "Here's a studio we found. Just to do this quick press shot. Can you come down?" It was in the middle of summer, so I like drove down at like six in the morning, got there. I think I got to London at like maybe ten set up half 10 they both came in and 11 we had to be out of the room because wow. someone else had got it booked yeah. so it's a lot of you know you come down and it's like right you've got half an hour with them and then you got to go because their their schedule is obviously mental you know ed's presenting good morning britain and everything all that yeah. kind of stuff so do, do you um, have to take lights down and set up all lights at that time as well which is quite time i did yeah yeah i did with that so i was taking a lot of stuff down with me because that particular shot was one we'd kind of had an idea of dino sent me the uh, a shot of what the room looked like. So we ca- I kind of had an idea yeah. of what I wanted to do. The stuff we did at the Spotify was just a bit like this, where it's just a big white backdrop. Mm. Um, and they were just sort of shots that we could then use for then the, um, for Senna, who's the graphic designer for his company, to like make the artwork mm. out of. But again, you know, you finished at like midday and then I'd, I'd kind of maybe book an hotel to stay in rather than drive back up because I wanted to get the shots done, like edit them and get them sent off straight away. So go and do that. But yeah, it is mad when, like, the day after, you know, six in the morning, you're swimming in the hotel pool thinking, wow, what a, what a life. This is, like, yeah. you know, I've just done, like, this is my company's paid for this. It's not like coming out of the joint account paying for this hotel. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, my company it's as Pedalo has paid way. for this hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's paid for this hotel for me to stay in. I'm, like, swimming in the pool at six in the morning, and then the day after, you kind of go back to reality a little bit. And yeah. it's a bit of a come down, and it's hard. It's hard to, like pick yourself back up again but but yeah it's you know part of it yeah no i can imagine so i guess it's the same in a band you know people who yeah. are in bands that haven't quite tipped over that edge yet yeah. you might go and do a gig where you play to two three thousand people and it's mad and everyone knows the names of your songs but then you know two days later you're back yeah. working in a factory or something or working in a warehouse and it's 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 that part of the grind i think that also keeps you grounded you know i know yeah. as an artist i know um his work is incredible and he paints his works really good it sells it sells for a lot of money but he still does a part-time job because he likes to be grounded and he likes to get that inspiration and i think sometimes you can use that to get inspiration for your work mm. you know if you're just doing this full time you might lose that inspiration and that drive a little bit to sort of keep it pushing you know like if you're say you're in a band and you've done well and your third album's out like you're not singing about the same things you were when you were mm. struggling or trying to get there and then maybe it's a little bit similar 
Well, I, I can remember last time I saw you in real life, we're down at tram lines. We were just in one of them booed things, and I can remember asking because you've because you've recently st- stopped the booze, aren't you? And I can remember asking you, so, do you ever miss it? And you, and yeah, you, and, you, and you and you and you said no, I don't. I'm like, wow, he means it. Like you know, has stopping yeah, the no. booze and that kind of stuff has that helped you focus and get more shit done as well? Has that been a a, a change in your yeah, lifestyle in, um, you. it's like two years now pretty much nearly two years november i think it wow. is since i stopped and i never really sort of had a big problem with it or anything you know i would um and i was never like a massive drinker but i used to sort of find myself being in situations where when you've had a little bit too many and you're a bit giddy and you kind of regret you know you have that remorse thing the day after of like oh why did i say that or why did i do this or you know, someone says, oh, do you remember saying this to somebody? And you're like, you know, I can't remember. So I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm still there. I really am. I I, I have thought about stopping booze, but I, I, I still enjoy it. But I do need to know my limits more. That that That's that's where well, I'm struggling, where, you know, I just need to stop. Yeah. I, I'm getting better at like, usually I have like three and then I have three zeros and I'll have three beers and then three zeros. That kind of okay. helps with steady things. But sometimes yeah, yeah. you forget to have them three zeros and you go too far and then you're just like, <laughs> and you oh, just have six straight ones say? instead. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been, that's been game changing really the last few years, you know, there's so much good quality like zero percent of like the zero percent guinness is incredible and there's some really good stuff out there Mm. where you can be still part of the you know you're still part of the night out and Mm. you know you're still not that there's anything wrong with you know being there and you're you're holding a coke and all your mates have got pints but when you're all sort of there with a pint of zero percent beer and they are you kind of you know you're all part of the same Mm. conversation almost then so yeah i think it was more of a conscious choice of me wanting to be a bit more professional i think and a bit more if i'm meeting people and i'm going to connect with them and maybe do something with them i don't want to be i don't want them to be thinking oh yeah he was a bit drunk and he said some really daft stuff and he was really giddy do you know what i mean and that's so that was sort of me wanting to be a bit more professional as i got older i think and take this thing really seriously so i think i'm going to take some advice from you there robert (laughs) you know we live and learn we live and learn what i do love what i do love about your photos though like and and like there's little things with with your photographer that i personally noticed and liked where where where, when you've edited like the skies are always like a perfect blue type thing what what kind of what kind of i don't know why that sticks out to me i just i've just noticed in a few (laughs) of your pictures is is that a thing that you that you're just testing out and trying to find Um, a style type thing no no one's no one's ever mentioned it before. I do oh, get okay. I, someone did comment on a picture I posted yesterday and just said like I don't know I don't know who they were but they yeah. follow me on Instagram bless them and they were like saying oh the colours in your photos always pop so well and yeah. I don't know it's not something again I think it's just if I like it if I yeah. like that style and I like how that looks then um, that's okay if, you know that's going to be okay and if other people like it great and if people take meaning from it or yeah. if they take something from that photo that I initially didn't like kind of intend, then that's still fine. You know, I'm, mm. it's good. It's fine for people to interpret stuff in that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, it's the same. And some of it is just probably look, you know, like the little Sims photo from the sort of first tram lines I ever shot was just happened to be there when she was, you know, back going bending back with the microphone and just caught everything perfectly. And I remember that, yeah, because you sent it to me to share on RGM for you and all, didn't you? And tag Pedro. I did, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, they were class. Yeah, um, and people go, you know, people have bought that as a print and stuff. So, and the same with the one of um, Rebecca, like self esteem. People have done the same with that as well from the yeah. the year after. But I think it's just it's always just been for me like trying 
different stuff, you know. Yeah. The first tram lines when I took those photos of like little Sims and um and Dizzy and and the streets were first time I'd ever shot live photography, so or live music. And I'd never planned on being a music photographer. I don't think that's something that's for me, but I still like to do it when it's like a moment, you know, rather than like a gig photography. So I think that's what's been so well received with the the photo I did at the Monkeys gig is it's not like a photo of, you know, one of the band members on stage. It's yeah. like a photo of the band sort of through the crowd. And yeah. some like loads of people have bought that print and then messaged me saying it's like where I was stood. And it's how I remember that gig of yeah. being in the crowd and seeing people on shoulders and, and the bands, you know, away yeah. in the distance. So I think that's more of what I try to do is capture moments rather than the actual person, you know. Yeah. I don't want it to be like a stock photo of somebody. Like I want it to be a moment that there's... Yeah. other people are involved with as well yeah i like that and and, and what what's your favorite thing to do is it like studio stuff or live stuff because i know from running this magazine and being in a few photography pits before in the time they're a bit rough and ready than being in, in photo pits aren't you know there's a lot of rules that you can get in people's yeah. way there's people that move you out of the way what one of our photographers got shoved by the crowd because they were just taking photos and there's quite a lot that goes on you know when, yeah. when somebody feels like they're in your way and they're like they're all like moving them out of the way so like, i'm here i'm working like it, like, yeah. like it's, it can be a rough it's place to mad. be sometimes. I mean, them photo pit. For, fortunately for me, the only sort of the live stuff I've done where I've not had like, um, cause usually the rule is like, you know, no flash and first three songs, then you've got to get out of the pit. Yeah. Um, so you can only photograph the first three songs. So that's always been the case when I've done tram lines for the last sort of three years. Mm. Um, but for, like been fortunate enough for all the other stuff I've done. So like when I did like a Milburn gig in um, Manchester, like a working men's club gig at the Lead Mill, a um, couple of John's gigs at like the Academy. I've had like a pass that's just like stay in the pit as long as you like and, you know, yeah, okay. do us what you need. So um, I've probably been quite fortunate in that sense that I've not really experienced that side of it yet of being yeah. like shoved and pushed out of the way and, <laughs> and things like that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm quite laid back on us so maybe i've just maybe it's been there and i've just not just forgot about it it's not bothered me you know <laughs> well what what's coming up next for you and pedalo photography what's like what any exciting things um, that, that you'd like to few share a little bit or? so doing some stuff with ed cousins today actually oh, we're doing nice. some little bits yeah. of video yeah. uh doing some stuff with joe carnell for good cop bad cop um just carrying on getting people in the studio because i like being in here now and it's a good place mm. and i'm kind of finding my feet with studio photography, especially like portrait stuff. Um, I've just done some stuff with a cycling company. Um, it was actually me wearing the kit, which is quite funny. So like <laughs> self-portraits of me in different You love wearing tops, all that gym but, stuff, mate. Yeah. I've seen your little videos well, in the morning. I mean, I don't think two, I don't think a year ago I'd have had the confidence to do it, but now I do a, like three stone lighter. Now I've kind of have. Um, and then there's other little bits I do for like other companies, like some corporate stuff. I'm, I'm off to... Ibiza at the end of the month to, for a week, just oh. doing some filming in Ibiza for a week in like a big house. So um, that'd be quite nice. Bit of is there some big names um, going to be in that house Sunday. that you can't say yet? We've got sorry. Is there going to be some big names in that house that you can't say? Well, it's like a furniture company that I do stuff for, so oh, okay. probably no big names, oh, but okay. you know, I'm, just like I'm just little bits of lifestyle things and okay. stuff. So, um, no. but I enjoy it. Yeah, Laura James, they're called. They're really good. And, like, they, really and nice they have to take like you to. That. It's a nightmare. They have to take you to Ibiza to shoot a bit of furniture, innit? What, what I know, life, think, what a life. I know. Well, it's hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, I, did, I probably didn't think three years ago that this was what I'd be doing for yeah. for a living and earning money. You know, so 
Yeah, and I think the things just keep going. Like, I never yeah. really know what's next. I do a lot of stuff with, like, Pete McKee, so it's a lot of very, it's very varied. Mm. So there's some stuff I've done that's going to be in his next exhibition, I think. Um, especially in the book, there'll be some stuff there. Mm. Um, his last exhibition that he did, my work was in, on the walls, um, the people with the big paper mache heads and everything. Mm. Was um was in there, which which was kind of the Kickstarter to get in this studio, really. You know, the the, the sort of money I earned from that paid for this for a bit, and then yeah. you know helped it get started and things. So, mm. and and all that came from just one photo of doing when we were doing some Steve Bracknell stuff, and I took an impromptu photo of them while they were filming, and it kind of went a bit crazy. And next thing, I'm having a meeting with Pete, and I'm in his exhibition, and yeah. then I'm in a studio, and then you just I don't know, I just keep letting things grow and and see where they get to. I think you know. Keep keeping up a mind about what I'm doing. That the filming for Bracknell stuff, I've I've always I've, I've always enjoyed it from start from when I first saw <laughs> Chris doing Bracknell and um, you know creating this character quite uh, organically, and mm. I, can, I can imagine the process is quite quick paced and you know you just you're, gonna, you're all going to be here <laughs> at one place. Just to talk us through how much fun that must be, just being a part of Chris's team and making those things. It's great. Like when we done we've done the stuff with the uh the the biggest one we did or the, the really sort of challenging one was the the one with him and tom doing the mm. sort of mental health talk yeah. thing yeah. and it was really um that was quite deep to do and we filmed it on like my camera so we just had a bit more of a cinematic look rather than because we know we just film it all on mobile it's all just filmed on his yeah, iphones yeah. and then yeah. matt cuts it all together um so yeah shout out to mike's and like incredible filmmaker and, and editor and stuff and mm. uh really good guy and we just film it on his phones and then run around. Sometimes we're running around while, the, you know, if we're doing a bit of a football scene, we'll run around, do yeah. stuff. And then there's little bits where we did a penalty shootout one where it was, because I, I kind of am the goalkeeper for yeah. the team. So we did like a penalty shootout one, which I wasn't filming, but I was in it, which was quite fun, diving around on the pitch. And <laughs> quite a good story about in that one with Bob scouting the wrong team and writing <laughs> the wrong penalty directions down because he'd gone to watch the wrong team play which was funny so i'm diving the wrong way for everything which is quite funny. <laughs> um, but most of the time it's yeah it's just like matt or me and matt running around with the cameras with his phones picking stuff up and then yeah. i'll try and get a few stills here and there and do stuff um so it's quite fun but yeah the, the mental health one was quite deep but yeah. it was one it was a story that chris really wanted to tell and i think it came up came out really well it came out how yeah, we wanted yeah. it to and it impacted a lot of people and not enough people sort of talk about stuff like that. So I think we really wanted to yeah. shine a light on it, you know. Um and it's hard if people don't feel like they've been through that. I think it was hard for like I remember Tom sort of saying like I don't really know what to say. Mm. Um I was like, well I, I can give you a few things to say. <laughs> so yeah. you know yeah. it's hard. And I think if anything, if that gets people talking about mental health or opening up a little bit, then mm. That was kind of the thing Chris wanted to achieve. And I think we have done, you know, people ask me about it and, and I do it, you know, I, um, I'm not like ashamed to say I have like therapy once a week and I speak to a counselor and, and talk through things and everything. And I would very much advise other people to, if you can do the same thing, cause it's not, you know, it's not something that you do because something's gone wrong. It's good to just do it anyway. Yeah. It's really good to keep that conversation flowing and get people talking more. So that was what we wanted to do with that one. But yeah, it is fun. It's hard. It's crazy because it's, you know, everybody else who's in that background isn't on, in on it. You know, they don't know something that's happening. <laughs> the last one they filmed, I wasn't there, but it was in a pub toilet and yeah. 
people in the pub, you know, people coming into the toilet and they're like, can you just give us two minutes? We're trying to film something. And they're like, what the hell are you trying to film in a pub toilet? I, so I, I watched yeah. that one as well when he's like, when he's filming over the top, when he's hanging over as well. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. And, you know, it's all Chris and it's all this character that Chris has, yeah. this world that Chris has made. And he's incredibly talented and he's an incredibly funny person. And yeah, I'm like, his journey as well, you know, from from where he's at, not, you know, stopped drinking a long time ago. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm like really proud of where he's got to and really proud of him as a person to to be so creative and, and be doing something like Bracknell that's just capturing people. And it's great. It's fun. It's really fun to be part of. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, Rob, really enjoyed catching up with you today, mate. Uh, I know you've got Yeah, you too, mate. Today. Yeah. It's been, it's, been uh, it's always good to, it's always good to chat. And, you know, well said with, you know, your thoughts over mental health and that kind of stuff with people. It, 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 I know I don't really I, I like historically I've always thought of it like you do therapy if there's been a problem I've never really thought about it like you should do it anyway because you know why not mm. what you got yeah lose? yeah you know it's not like it's good to sort of talk things through with someone who doesn't know anything that you about you you know yeah. it's really nice yeah. and and this is always good to get that perspective from people and there's things that happen or you know things that come up in my life and things recently where I then look forward to talking to my therapist and think right okay I'm going to get some perspective on this that's not you know because you talk to your family and your family are going to be on your side they're going to yeah. want what's best for you and they might not be as in, as impartial as what someone who is essentially a stranger is so yeah, yeah I would always advise it or just talking in general you know yeah ask Good. your mates how they are and ask them again if they say I'm fine because sometimes they're not so yeah. it's hard but yeah breaking that down we're getting better at it I think as people yeah. especially men you know yeah. it's all right to talk about it and then that's a big thing I'm I really push you know talk about how you're feeling it's fine yeah well th- thanks for joining us today mate. within the description of this podcast there's going to be a link to Pedlo so all the all the artwork and yeah, grab yourself a print why not yeah I forget why about not? the prints yeah there's a lot of stuff on there in a minute yeah yeah, grab yourself a print. Enjoy his work. Rob, I will see you around about Sheffield at some point, mate, in the no distant future. And really appreciate you joining us today, mate. Thank you. Nice one. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Thanks, Robert. Robert. Yeah, what a lovely guy. And do check out his website. There's a link in the description to his, his work. You can buy prints and stuff. Um, just doing great work. Thanks, Rob, for joining us and sharing your story with the with the RGM family today. Nice one, mate. Right, I'm going to go back to bed because I've got that cold thing that I just can't shake. Uh, I've missed some gigs this week and all, which I'm annoyed about. I didn't, I, I've been sick from about Wednesday and it's just getting on my nerves now. Uh, I've missed Andrew Cushing in Manchester Nightmare. I'm going to miss Spangled in Manchester tonight as well because just, I'm just fucking rough. Missed a podcast, I've missed a record that you know I've had to put back a little bit. So I'm just a little bit behind stuff, just getting through this cold thing. But you know, it's not you know I'm not on my own. If you're suffering with the cold <laughs> uh, and you're as pathetic as what I am, and you let everything get in your uh, you know everything get on your nerves and you're quite impatient, then I'm, I feel you, ladies and gentlemen. I feel you. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, I wish you all the best. Thanks for joining us for another edition of this podcast, mate. Do delve into the archives. There is a version of this podcast as well on YouTube, which is uh, doing great guns. Nice one. Um, and yeah, stick around on RGM. A few problems with the server. Uh, if you see any like missing pictures and problems on there, it's, it will all get sorted soon, I promise you. 
Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to get off. Uh, this has been an, uh, uh, an RGM production for the RGM podcast. Uh, my name's Carl Maloney, that guy from RGM. I wish you all the best and have a lovely week of new music and tunes. Toodle ooh. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week. Come on, boy.